Good morning, everyone. All right, let's take your seats. Come on in, find a spot. Find a spot. You can smooch in the middle here section. And we have almost all 12 seats available here in the front row. All right. Well, good morning. My name is Amy. If we haven't met, I am part of the Sierra Bible Church staff. Uh, and I want to welcome you. I want to also just give you a couple reminders before we keep going in our uh, gathering today. Uh, one of those is housekeeping thing regarding your giving statements. So I mentioned this last week. If you were giving online, you should have already received a notice in your email saying that your statement was available to you, and you should have access to that. However, if you've been giving through check or cash and you've been placing that in our offering boxes in the back, then that statement is available to you at our info booth right now today um, outside. And so just remember to grab those things. We're going to keep them out there for a few weeks um, before we try to mail them or do something else with them. And so, and also if you do both, you know, a little check, little card on the online, then you're going to get two different statements. Um, all right. And so that's just the housekeeping thing for all you taxpayers uh, so that you can, which should be every single one of you, um, but uh, with that, we have a couple of things happening that I've been talking about throughout January, but January is almost over, if you didn't realize, and February is just a couple days away. And with that, on February 1st, on Thursday this week, our Holy Spirit class is starting. Yay! Some people are excited. And that is going to be every Thursday in February, all right? It's in lieu of our worship and prayer night, so our worship and prayer night is not happening but it's going to be in the same space at the same time, 6 p.m. We are providing childcare. Um, we do, however, uh, if you could register online, let, let us know if you are bringing your children, just so we have an idea of what's going on. Um, but we are providing childcare for those that need it. <sighs> that took all of my excitement away. I don't have any more left. Um, and so, but I do have one more thing, and that is ladies' night. And that's going to be a couple days from that event. Um, ladies night is the first Monday of February, February 5th, 6 p.m. We're going to have some crafts, food, talking. That's pretty much what women do, right? Those three things. So we're going to do those three things, um, and that's going to be uh, February 5th. So we'd love to have you there. We're going to try to keep doing that ladies night every first Monday of the month throughout the year. All right? Um, before we get going, Pastor Caleb is going to be teaching this morning, um, but I'm going to have Bev come up, and she's going to talk about an opportunity for your high schoolers and young adults, right? Exactly. Well, it's fun to be here in second service because now we're first service people mainly, but to see your faces, it's like, oh, old home week. Yeah, it's great. So good morning. Um, I'm up here solo in the interest of time, but I'm representing and speaking for my husband, Alan, and for Caleb Dero and for the leadership at SBC and especially the missions committee. So Ellen and I have been involved with children's ministries and kiddos for like 40 years. And so that makes us pretty old, you know. <laughs> so um, in our 70s now, um, I don't know how long we'll be teaching kids, but we will still continue. But Ellen and I were convicted by the Lord that our young people could use an 
adjunct to the fine teaching here and um, in biblical worldview and apologetics so that when they get out into college and beyond, they can critically think about the issues of life. And when they are challenged, they can speak to those issues. So we came upon Summit Ministries, which has been around for, believe it or not, 62 years. It was started by Dr. Noble 62 years ago. And it's still going strong. And Sean McDowell says that uh, it was great when he went as a teenager but now it's better and better than it ever was before. So um, with that impetus from the Lord, uh, we said, well, let's see what it's like to send students there. So we sent two students, one in 2022 and one in 2023, and they're over here. Please stand up, Rachel and Luke. And I would say we sort of sent Rachel's mother, Lisa, because when Rachel got back, there was a lot of books read and discussions between the two of them about Summit and what she learned. Um, Rachel's used what she's learned uh, in college. She had many questions when she went to Summit, and um, they were forthright in answering and challenging those questions and talking with her. Luke found the fellowship there amazing and just the relationships with other believers and both of them still have relationships with the people that they met there and in their groups and so forth and Luke is using uh, what he learned also in ministry in uh, high school and also in young life so um, anyway so thank you very much you guys uh, also along with these two students two students went from Pastor Wayne daughter's church um, Aaron and I are like-minded on very many things, and they sent two students from their little tiny church in Utah to Summit, and those two students came back. One was ready to take on um, Mormonism at Brigham Young University when he got back. <laughs> um, anyway, um, so what is Summit? We have a little video that is littler than when we started because it interrupts and we can't get it started so this is just a little snippet of what summit is like and it was done on during, the verge never mind oh <laughs> it was done during um right after covid so there's a hint of that covid thread the lockdown thread in it but honestly i don't think things have changed we talked to people right after the service and there are students still today that are dealing with their faith and anxiety and um, just how to move forward. And that all happened with COVID, and that breaks our hearts. So we care about these students, and we want to help them see faith is very real, and their questions can be answered. And so here's the video. On the verge of abandoning the faith of their childhood, most young Christians have tried to find meaning through social media and entertainment. But in the age of lockdowns and riots and political instability, they find themselves teetering on the brink of despair. You don't have anyone to turn to. You just feel like you're the only one that's struggling with an issue. Just that there's so much whipping back and forth of ideas. And being Christian, I feel like we're caught in the middle. I didn't want to be another statistic of someone who left the church. I didn't want to be that. Imagine an experience where young adults ages 16 to 25 can learn from Christian experts who answer their questions and help reignite their faith. That is Summit Ministries. 
We talk about things that you never talk about otherwise. Difficult discussions like abortion and pornography and worldviews. To not just teach us what to think biblically, but how to think. It's been cool to see the speakers interact with those hard questions in a way that's very compassionate. The old is gone, the new is come. In Christ, you are a new creation. So if you have ever doubted, you're in really good company. You know that biblically, but do you live that out? You know, the challenge for me is, do I behave as if I know this is true? Learning the fact is important, but there's more to it than that. At Summit, students are surrounded by caring mentors who've been there, whose faith has been tested, and who personally invest in others. I was welcomed with like such a love by absolutely everyone around me. We're sharing stories, we're sharing things that we've learned in the lectures. You can feel God's presence here with everybody around you and see that you're not alone. You can cry with them, you can laugh with them. That's the family of Christ. Summit isn't just an experience that you go through. I feel like Summit's also an experience that you take home with you. I'm so grateful for the opportunity that I've had to learn from so many great speakers on how to defend my faith, how to be confident in who I am in Christ, and how to seek truth. I was given a spiritual revival. This has been one of the best experiences of my life. No young adult deserves to be a statistic. Not when this is a generation that could turn its trials into gold and make history. If this is your heart's... So um, my ask this morning is uh, what I asked. Ellen and I went to the missions committee and we said, can we start a missionary fund for the students that attend here. Um, and so they agreed. They said, yeah, that's a good way to spend our money, your money, God's money. And so we, we're starting a perpetual scholarship fund for students that are at least 17 years old to go to Summit. And um, that's what I'm asking, for you to donate to that fund. Prayerfully consider it. Grandparents, maybe you've got grandchildren coming up like we do. They're six years old, so this has got to be a perpetual fund. <laughs> um, but um, the name of the fund is SALT, Student Apologetic Leadership Training. We want these students to be missionaries and salt and light in the world, and it's just an adjunct to the great teaching that they get here. So if you'd like to join us on this journey, we'd love it. We appreciate it. Um, Rachel, Luke, myself, Alan, will be in the back by the coffee shop to speak to you afterwards. There are a lot of great questions and thoughts um, from the first service, so we welcome yours as well. And we have applications for the students for the fund, and we also have chocolate. Thank you. <laughs> Good morning. We are in Romans chapter 12. My name is Caleb. I'm uh, the youth pastor here at Sierra Bible Church. I, um, if I had to be asked, why is it that most high schoolers, after going to college, fall away from the faith? I, I believe it's because they have not allowed Christianity to enter into their friendships. And I believe this is a great opportunity for students to realize, oh, I'm not alone. Oh, like there are other people my age who take this very seriously, who want to make Jesus Christ the center 
of their life, the thing that weighs the most. And even in the face of like, man, I'm tempted by all these things, it's like, but I have those friends and they, they know that Jesus weighs the most. It helps students, it helps people hold fast. Even us as adults, we need each other in that same sense. Like I, you know, even when I get questioned, I'm like, I don't know the answer to that. But I know Brad Beers does. <laughs> Let's go talk to him. <laughs> it's through that friendship that there is such strength. Would you stand with me as we read God's word? <laughs> Thank you. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another, having different gifts, that, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Father, as we look at your word and we look at what it is to be a part of the body of Christ, to be in community, I pray that you would... Um, Help us, Lord, to understand your heart for this. We come all preloaded with our own ideas of what that means and what it should be, but Lord, help us to have soft hearts and soft minds, Lord, that we will be transformed this morning more into the image of Jesus Christ. Change our minds to be more of your mind, more of your heart. In Jesus' name, amen. You may have a seat. When I look at Romans 12, 1, I, I th think so often of like growing up and hearing this verse. It's, um, it's not quite a coffee cup uh, verse, you know, and I think of like coffee cup verses. It's like, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Um, but this is very famous nonetheless. It's kind of like that. I just, I've never seen it put on a mug yet. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Uh, some, I think the NASB translates it, your reasonable act of worship. That because of everything God has done, because of all of his mercy, your reasonable act of worship is becoming a living sacrifice. Uh, in my mind's eye when I think about this, when I imagine this, it's always me as an individual crawling up onto a Jewish altar and being burned alive. That's the imagery I have in my head. But in the context of this chapter, and even in this verse, it says that you present your bodies. Plural. That we as a church would offer our, ourselves together as a sacrifice to the Lord. Not as individuals, but as the body of Christ. Um, 
throughout the rest of this chapter, that's the idea here. He's talking about, I don't like the word community because it's kind of like a buzzword now, but it's the body of Christ coming together, body life, community. The rest of this chapter, that's the context that he's laying in there. So it's the sacrifice, the worship that God wants from us is that we would come together and we would be united. That's the sacrifice that you have to offer. Now, I think real quick, that's pretty funny because I know a lot of um, my, introverted, my introverted brothers and sisters, you may hesitate to write down on pen and paper, coming to this Bible study feels like being burned alive. But Paul said it, and you have been seen and heard this morning. Your feelings are validated through Holy Scripture. <laughs> That's funny. No? Come on, guys. That's hysterical. Because um, I, I have friends who, that's how they feel on the inside. They're like, I don't want to go. This is going to be hard. Paul is saying, yeah, it, it's like being burned alive. It's actually worse than you think. This, uh, this verse, when it says a living sacrifice, it means that you are a perpetually living sacrifice. You don't get to like climb up on the altar, get burnt, and you're done. You don't die. You just stay there. So it's worse than you think. Your feelings are validated. The Bible does not argue with you. It's not saying you're crazy. It's like, yeah, no, it's that scary. It's that hard. But nonetheless, God is pleading with us to walk in the body of Christ, walk with each other, walk in this oneness of mind and heart, walk in community. This word appeal, you know, verse, verse one again, I appeal to you therefore. It's the word prokaleo in the Greek and it's used throughout the New Testament by Paul and often concerning community. And I just want to look at a couple other uh, epistles where Paul is He's begging people. This word appeal has the flavor of it. It's also translated to beg, to urge, to strongly encourage, and even to comfort. That you, you know, you could say, I comfort you, therefore, brothers, and by the mercies of God. It's, it has such heart in it. Like with all my heart, I want you guys to walk with each other. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. So let's look at just a couple other epistles. Uh, we're going to flip to, just go to the right. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10. Yeah, the sound of turning pages. 1 Corinthians 1, 10. It says this, I appeal to you, brothers. Again, that word, beg, strongly encourage, comfort even, you brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree, and that there be no divisions among you, that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. It says, with the strongest appeal I can make by Jesus Christ himself, be one. Uh, let's move to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. In 2 Corinthians, Paul is advocating for himself it, that uh, the, the church of Corinth would remain in community, remain as the body of Christ connected to him. They've actually given him the boot. Um, men had risen up in the church at Corinth and they had, you know, spoken badly about Paul and gotten the church that he founded 
He founded the church at Corinth to turn against them and kind of, we don't want you anymore, Paul. And so he's advocating for his love for them. And, and in verse 6, I mean, sorry, chapter 6, we, we see that word urge or we see that word appeal. Working together with him, then we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. And from verses 2 to verse 10, he's actually going to like give all these examples of his love for them, of how he has suffered all these things and he's pursuing them and that he's like, please. And then in verse 11, we hear his heart, this ask, this urging. Second uh, Corinthians six eleven, he says, we have spoken freely to you, Corinthians. Our heart is wide open. You are not restricted by us, but you are restricted in your own affections. In return, I speak as to children, widen your hearts also. There's something really beautiful here in the language. This word in verse 12, restricted, it carries with it this idea of something is bent and you're going to try and straighten it out by smashing it. You know, and we even have that in our English vernacular. I'm going to straighten you out. It has that sense of crushing and I'm going to like, you know, dominate and smash you. I'm going to straighten you out. Paul's saying, that's not what I'm trying to do. He says, right, you are not restricted by us. I'm not trying to smash you. I'm not trying to straighten you out. My heart is not to make you smaller. He says, I want your heart to be wider. He says, you're restricted by your own affections in the ESV. In the King James, it says bowels. You're restricted by your own guts, by the stuff that's going on in yourself. That's what's restricting you. That's what's smashing you. That's what's making your heart smaller. He's saying, my desire is that your heart would be opened up and wider. Um, So often in our Christian experience, when God is calling us to something, we're like, that means death burning by fire or being crushed or I feel claustrophobic. I feel the anxiety of what God is calling me to. And we're afraid of becoming smaller. But that's not God's heart. That as he's calling us to to walk in the body of Christ, that he's he's calling us to have wider hearts. Um, Timothy Keller says, we're often afraid that God is going to make our souls smaller, but he desires to make them larger. That's the heart behind this ask. You would have bigger hearts, wider more love, more capacity for it. Ephesians 4, just keep moving to the right through the epistles. You'll find Paul's constantly reiterating this. Ephesians 4, 1 and 2. We've looked at this already as a church. I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you, beg you, comfort you, encourage, exhort you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, Bearing with one another in love. When I was a a young youth pastor, I first got to work at my grandfather's church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. And um, in some ways, I don't know if that's always the best idea for a young guy. Because I definitely had this, I didn't, I wasn't aware of it. But I definitely had this attitude like my grandfather's the pastor. Like, I can do whatever I want. And I would actually say that as a joke to people, not realizing that that was actually true in my own heart. You know? And I look back, I'm like, oh. <laughs> oh, who let that happen? Who let Caleb have any kind of authority at his own grandfather's church? It's not a good idea. I was um, pursuing Missy during that time, and I was trying to win her over. And we were tentatively dating at the time. It was a little rough. At first, um, I was pursuing her 
with everything I had, and she was standoffish. And we went on a long bike ride one night around the city of Sioux Falls, and there's this bike trail that goes around the whole thing. And I, you know, during that time, we're, I'm talking to her. I'm like, look, I can tell that you're resistant, that you're holding back. And I actually used the example of like, I feel like I'm moving forward in ministry with a shield, and you keep pulling it because you've stopped. And I keep getting like, you know, distracted and hurt by this. And um, she's like, yeah. And she thought about it. It took her a while, but she's like, look, there's some sin in your life. I can't tell you what it is, but I can't go further in this relationship until God works on that in you. That's a rough thing to hear. <laughs> I went home and read most of the New Testament. I didn't sleep at all that night. True story. And I just was crying out to God, please help me see what, what she's talking about. This verse was one of the many that really just screamed out at me that you would bear with one another in love. Bear one another's burdens. You know, I, I had this kind of attitude of almost like, hey, that's your problem. This is how you fix it. And you're welcome. That was kind of like how, how I was like living life at that time as this young youth pastor. I had no sense of like, hey, I'm not even going to talk about it. Let's, let me just come alongside you and help you carry that. You know, that's more of the heart of Christ in this. This humility of like, I, I struggle with this too. Let me, let me take a little of that off your back. This humility. Um, back to Romans really quick. You know, that's the first, one of the first things that Paul calls for, right? As we live in uh, community and body life with each other, in verse 3, Romans 12, 3, he says, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Now, for me as a very highly extroverted person, like a freakishly extroverted person, it's, it's gross almost. Um, I can read this passage and look at like what Paul is saying about community and be like, ha ha! all you introverted friends of mine, you have to come. See? See what it says in Scripture? You have to participate. You have to come out. You have to talk. Ha-ha! And I, I can deeply, you know, I can sense in my own self that there's a, a pride there, an arrogance of like, I was right! <laughs> I want scripture, t- um, scripture tempers this and helps us understand that body life being a part of the body of Christ is not just extroversion. It's not introversion. It's, it's above that. And so I want to look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. First Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 9 says this. Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. What a statement. Paul writing to the church like, you guys got this down. I can't even tell you anything about it. I can't teach you. God taught you how to love one another. It's quite the thing. You guys are doing this well. In verse 10, here's where we get that word urge or plead or beg or comfort. For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge, beg, plead, you brothers to do this more and more. Even the church who's doing this well, they've got it down. God taught them how to do it. Continue more and more in love. And then he says this, verse 11, and to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs. 
and to work with your hands as we instructed you. And all the introverts in the room, oh, phew. This is funny stuff. I think I was cracking up all week as I was studying it. You guys are a little serious, but oh, I think it's so funny. Because this would be so easy for me to, as, as an extroverted person to be like, see, got to be a part of body life. So, so. But there he, he just counters this, this body love with live quietly. Mind your own business. <laughs> Work with your hands. And so it's like, wait a second. So what is this? What is this community? What is this body life? What is it, what is it to be a part of the body of Christ? Romans 12 again. Starting in verse 4. <coughs> For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. We're not all the same when we're not supposed to be. You know, Paul in other passages talks about we all can't be an eye. That'd look weird. <laughs> We all can't be a nose, right? And I'm not willing to part with any of my body parts. I want them all. They're mine. Even if I have to go through surgery and they have to remove a body part, I want it back. I don't know what they want to do with it, but I want it back. It's mine. I will bury it myself, have a little, you know, funeral for my whatever, and I want it back. It's not theirs. If I get my finger cut off, it's still my finger, and I would like it to get back to the body. We're not all the same. And in fact, our relationship to each other is different, right? Like my index finger has a very different relationship with the thumb than it does to my nose. It's funny. They, they do, they, it's a very different kind of relationship. But I preach, the thumb appreciates the index finger and so does the nose. Um... We're not all supposed to be the same. I actually see this so clearly in my own marriage with my wife. Um, she is very introverted, very quiet. She will not give people her opinion, sometimes even when they ask. <laughs> and she listens really well. Siri is trying to interrupt our service. No. <laughs> It's like, I'll play music from a different app. I was like, mm. <laughs> Anyways, my wife's really quiet. And she's, she listens well. And oftentimes, when I'm working with people, I, I ask myself, should I wear the Missy hat right now or the Caleb hat? And what that means is like, should I, should I be more like Missy here? And should I listen and not give my advice unless I'm asked? And maybe not even then. <laughs> and that has served me well. Every time I have worn the Missy hat, I'm like, that went pretty good. Maybe I should, maybe I should talk less. Um, I deeply appreciate her. Her way of loving people is to have them over to the house, one at, like one at a time, and have a cup of coffee. I mean, we have four kids right now. That's not like the like most... Um, it's not the easiest thing to pull off in this season of life, but that's, that's her happy place. And I honestly, I think that's probably a much more effective way to love a brother or sister is just that one-on-one -on -one listening to them. 
I think about how much I talk to God and how much he listens and how little he says to me, but he's very profound in those little things he says. But I spend a lot of time talking to God and he usually responds with like two words. <laughs> and I'm like, oh. you know, he just listens well and, and hears my heart and then speaks directly to it. So there's some, something so profound about just that different part of the body, right? I honestly, it's, Probably because I'm so extroverted, I've been told shh a lot in my life since I was like a wee young lad. And um, it's hard for me sometimes to always see the good in being extroverted. But I think that's true of all of us. It doesn't matter how you've been shaped or how you've been formed. You have a hard time seeing how God could use you for, for the good of his body. But that's essential. That's essential in body life. And in being a part of the body of Christ, you have to have a a level of dignity. And you have to know that God has created you for good works. He prepared those before the beginning of the world, right? That you would walk in them. Um, Let me finish out reading Romans, and then I want to look at a different passage. We all have these different, um, these gifts that they were given to us. Verse... Five. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. I think if we could boil down, so like if we had some rules or some things that we could actually like concretely go off of for uh, body life community or being a part of the body of Christ, however God has gifted you, however he has formed you, it's not for you. If there's a concrete rule here, who you are, your gifting, your blessings, it's not for you. That goes all the way back to the Abrahamic covenant. That when God said, hey, I will bless you so that you will be a blessing to all the nations. This rings true throughout scripture. Your alone time is not me time. It's time for you to be built up in Christ to serve the body. Your outward social time is not for you. It's so that you could bring attention to uh, maybe someone else or maybe the Lord. I don't know, but it's, that's, that's a principle that we can anchor to. And it will carry to everybody's different gifting. You just live for others and for the king. Verse 6. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in portion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation. The one who contributes in generosity. The one who leads with zeal. The one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Would you turn to Luke chapter 15? I want to look at one more. I just did like a word study on the, on the word prokaleo. This word urge, beg, plead, comfort. I just did a word study on this. And I want to look at one more example of this as it pertains to Jesus and community. It's the story of the prodigal son. Uh, we're going to pick it up at verse 20, but two, there's two sons in this story. The younger comes to the father and says, Dad, I want my inheritance now. Essentially what he told is that I wish you were already dead so I could have your stuff. But can I have it now anyways? This is incredibly insulting, hurtful. The father, arguably in Jewish law, could have had him killed for this. Could have had the elders could take him to the front of the gate and stone him to death. But the father gives it to him, sends him out. And he goes and spends that money on prostitutes and loose living until he's broke. 
and then he has no friends, and then a famine comes. He finds himself feeding pigs, and he says, you know what? My dad's servants do better than this. I'm going to go home. The Bible says when he came to his senses, I'm going to go home and, and plead with my dad to be his servant. So in verse 20, And he arose and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servant, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. Now, pause real quick. Let me tell you about your average high school student. If uh, they've gone through a season of rebellion and now they are like, you know, I think I want to come back to church and uh, I think I want to, you know, get right with Jesus and they start to walk down that path and even as they are coming through the parking lot and walking up the steps, I've done this. If you go, oh, it's so good to see you guys. Guess who's here? Oh my goodness, let's party. They're not happy. They really don't like that. They really, really, I mean, 99.9% of high schoolers do not like being celebrated in this way. And to be honest, I feel like that's true of probably most adults. That if we're coming out of a season of rebellion, you're like, Pastor, can you please just like, let me come in quietly. I'm going to sit in the back and just, let's not make a big deal about it. Like we do not enjoy being celebrated. Even like as an extrovert on your birthday, you kind of feel like everybody's singing to me. What do I do? This is awkward. Like it's, it's hard to be celebrated. It takes a special kind of humility to allow God to love you in this way. But it's absolutely the Father's heart that he wants to celebrate you, to love you with that kind of love. Verse 25. Now his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father killed the fatted calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated with him. Again, this word prokaleo, he begged him, he encouraged him. He's even trying to comfort the older son to come into the party. Come in and celebrate this younger son. This morning, you're probably on one side of that fence. Either you're struggling to allow God to celebrate you or maybe you're struggling in that God is celebrating someone else. I have at times related with both of these characters. Um, Maybe more the older son, to be honest. I'm like, I worked hard. I was here every Sunday. How come they get to do that? How come they get to be there? Or whatever, fill in the blank. But this this translates to a lot of our hearts. But the heart of the Father, His heart for community is that, one, that He wants to celebrate you as an individual. He wants to celebrate you. Because of the blood of Jesus and the work of His cross, He wants to celebrate you. And then He also wants you to celebrate your brothers and sisters even though they don't deserve it God delights in being gracious he delights in in using people who don't deserve it even me even you right 
even when I have an issue with it. He's like, but I love doing that, Caleb. I love celebrating people. That's his heart for community. Verse 29, but he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when his son of, but when this son of yours came who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. He's not even mad at the younger brother. He's mad at the father. Yeah, of course he did that. He's scum. But you, you are celebrating him. How dare you celebrate him and not me? And he said to him, son, this is the father talking to him, son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this, your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. (sighs) Well, father, as we look at scripture, it's clear to see that you're begging us, you're pleading with us, you're encouraging us, and even comforting us to walk in community, in body life, as the body of Christ, one with another. You're, you're pleading for us to do this. That ask is clear. It's all over your word. And as much as we might find it easier to worship God in the mountains or uh, by ourselves at the lake or maybe even just at home on our own couch, Lord, you're asking for us to to bear with one another, to rub shoulders with one another, to be connected. And that changes from person to person and relationship to relationship, how that plays out. But you've called us to to use the grace of God with effect or that we would use it for others. The way that you have blessed us, that we would bless others with that blessing. Lord, so I pray that we'd take an examination of our own hearts, Lord, our our own giftings just as a a person, but Lord, even the things we have, Lord, um, our possessions, Lord, you've blessed us with those things to bless others. Lord, help us to just, to know your heart, Lord, how deeply you, you long to celebrate the lost son, Lord, and to welcome the older son into that celebration, Lord. Thank you that you go out into the dark and you come and find us and you, you pull us in. Whether they're, we're the rebellious kid coming home or the angsty older brother sitting outside and doesn't want to come into the party, you come out to us. Lord, thank you so much for that. That you, I mean, even, even this word, Lord, this word to, to plead and to beg, you're coming out to us. Reaching for us, Lord. Help us to have soft hearts, Lord, that we would not allow the angst that's in our own bowels and our own, you know, affections to get in the way and smash us, Lord, and keep us cramped. I pray that we would have wide hearts, Lord. Allow you to take us to these higher places, Lord, and our souls would grow. And we'd have a fervent and firm affection for one another. Lord, I ask for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you guys stand? Sing of all the reasons. Sing bless the Lord. Ship is over.